um, trying to figure out what to come back and start a message uh, with, um, all I had to do was listen to the last three weeks. Yes, I was gone, but uh, there's a lot going on in our church family and in other people that I've gotten to know. There's a lot of loss, you know, a lot of, uh-oh, life just threw me a curveball and uh, I swung and missed, and now i got to figure, this, figure out what to do with my new spot. You know, I don't know for Becky, like having to, she's supposed to have this eye surgery stuff, but now she's caring for her husband. That, that was a blind side. Like, that's just one person. And, and her kids had to come and change their course of direction for their lives for that time. Uh, having a loss, I heard that um, Elizabeth had to make her own breakfast last week. You know, that... that That is a reality check, you know? Each one of us knows somebody. I've sat through some pretty tough stuff with some families. And what I'm discovering is we constantly need hope. Yes, we need encouragement. Encouragement will come out of this. But I want to find a way for us to look for hope. And I want to begin with the source of hope. And I want to begin with an Old Testament verse. Uh, I want to talk about finding hope and using the messianic prophecies uh, that start off with Isaiah 11, verse 10. All right, this is Old Covenant, hundreds of years and years and years you know, ago, uh, 2,000 plus the hundreds of years uh, to when this was finally written. But here's this old ancient writing. In that day, the heir to David's throne will be a banner of salvation to all the world. The nations will rally to him, and the land where he lives will be a glorious place. This is a prophecy of the one coming, Jesus. All right? So this is written long ago. Then it's referred to again in Romans by the Apostle Paul. He writes this in Romans 15 too. And in another place, Isaiah said, oh, that's the place, by the way, the heir to David's throne will come and will rule over the Gentiles. They will place their hope on him. We need hope. If you take a look at the story of the Ten Commandment movie, how many have seen the Ten Commandments? Yeah, everybody, Charlton Heston and all that stuff and whatever remake will come just won't shine in comparison to the original of that one. But the story has, made, has been made worldwide. Um, it's been given that kind of publicity worldwide because of that movie. So many people who would never know the Bible story would never hear about it if it wasn't for the movie. And in that whole movie, they were looking to this Messiah, some hope that their God would please rescue them because their forefather, Joseph, who was the second in command of all of Egypt, he was ruling the country. He was bringing prosperity. He was being wise in the time of drought. He was one who was trusted and loved and blessed and walked through hell and became a ruler. And believe me, that guy was looking for hope too. But as the Israelites grew in number, the Egyptians were getting really scared and they decided to make them slaves in a land where they came to for refuge and then they were suddenly flipped on. And then 400 years of silence. You thought one week was bad when you don't hear from God, right? Or in your app, you don't, hey, how come I don't have an update? It's been like 20 seconds. 
You know, why don't I have a like on this? How come God isn't answering my prayer? And we're whining and crabbing about the wanting instant gratification when life isn't about instant gratification, although you can't tell from our, our media today because that's what they're pointing you to. What if there's a deeper truth, a more ancient, a more mystical truth, a mystery to be explored that we need to visit and maybe contemplate on, meditate on, think on. And that is this idea of hope. And for these Israelites, 400 years. That means when your generation, let's say you were in generation one, when you got to like 80, and I haven't heard anything in 80 years, and their kids are hearing all this, and they come along and said, hey, my parents didn't hear about it either. Like, there's no hope now. It's like 200 years. Can you see the pattern? Despair, despair, despair. And it's right in the middle of that despair that God brings hope. You might say, well, what about those other 400 years and those poor people? Yeah. Is this, is this the time you want to go out and lick your wounds? Is this, is this, are you now comparing yourself? Honestly, if we, if we ask ourselves our true motivation for half of our questions, you might be shocked at how much of your question is about control. You want to control because you want to know. Because if you know, somebody else doesn't, and then you have one up, and it's the self-righteous judging. Just go down that rabbit trail for a little bit. You might be asking less questions and perhaps be encouraged to hope more, to be more thankful, for that is what we are called to be and do, is to be thankful in our circumstances don't necessarily have to be thankful for the circumstance, but be thankful in it and thankful of the one who sustains you. So here's a picture of Jesus, the source of all hope, being hope. Let's not forget that. Hope is not in, hey, I hope I get that job. Hope is not, oh, I hope that deal goes through. Hope is not, oh man, I hope this relationship works out. Hope is not whatever we want to do there. Hope is a person. And it's not a, oh man, I sure hope so, which is a very loose, loose way to understand the word hope. Hope is rather a faith in someone we can totally trust that the outcome will come. There's some confidence there. I think there's some verses in Scripture about that even. Hmm. Maybe you'll find them. Let's see. Finding hope in the Messianic prophecies. Here's another one from Isaiah 42.4. This is, again, the reason I'm bringing out the source is because we often forget about the real source. We have all these encouraging verses about, you know, have hope, find hope, be positive. Well, how about who does it come from? Who do we need to look to? He says here again, this is the hope of the Messiah coming. He will not falter or lose heart until justice prevails throughout the earth. Even distant lands beyond the sea will wait for his instruction. And here we go, Matthew 12, 21, it happens, and his name will be the hope of all the world. The earth is waiting and has been waiting. And when the hope of the whole world shows up, everything changes. I find it very interesting that when the angels announce the birth of Christ, who do they announce it to? First people, it's a Christmas story. Come on, guys. Thank you. This should be obvious. <laughs> the shepherds, lowly shepherds. And the words were, what? Anybody remember? 
glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth to believers only. Is that, what, is that what it says? What does it say? Anybody remember? Paraphrase it. You don't have to get it right. Goodwill to all men. This is good news for all people. The angel did not say, for all those who act right and get God's blessing, it'll be good news for you. The angel said, this is for the world. For everyone. This hope is for every single person. Whether they believe or not, whether they know it or not, there is hope for all people. Paul describes Jesus as our hope. Not to just have hope in him, but he is our hope. This letter is from Paul, the apostle of Christ Jesus, appointed by the commander of God, our Savior, and Christ Jesus, who gives us hope. Are you feeling hopeless? You're allowed to. It's not a sin to feel hopeless. It's not a sin to be depressed. It's not a sin to be down and out. And don't let anybody else tell you that. Because I know there's enough religious groups that imply that because you're not thinking right, feeling right, expressing right, then you are, you are sinning and therefore God can't handle being hanging out with you until you correct yourself. That's baloney. God's for you. He's done everything already to make you right. And he is the one who gives you hope. So just ask for that hope. Father, I need hope. He might actually send you another human. He might inspire you with some encouragement. He may make you look out in a field and just take in the beauty of his creation. You'd be surprised what that can do to inspire hope. 1 Timothy 1.1 in the Passion Translation, same verse. From Paul, an apostle in Christ Jesus, for it was Jesus himself, our living hope. See, hope is a person. Who sent me as a, his servant by the commander of God, our life giver. I <laughs> love that translation. Just love it. Peter's persevere or perspective. This is another amazing text that we need to wake up to. If you've not heard this one or you may have forgotten, let's find hope in these verses. 1 Peter 1, 3-5 in the Passion Translation says this, and I love this. Celebrate with praises the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has shown us his extravagant mercy. For his foundation of mercy has given us a new life. We are reborn to experience a living, energetic hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Recognize the source? There it is again. We are reborn, and pause for a second. The idea of Jesus being source is to remind you and I who we love to be in control. We love to make sure we've got all of our ducks in a row. I was just briefly chatting with David. I don't know what the sentence was out in the hall there. You know, when darkness comes and crisis hits us, somehow that opens us up to need God. But if things are going great, don't really need them. Everything's great, right? I'm, I'm being self-dependent. What's the, you know, that's great. Thank God for the blessings. Isn't that wonderful? And then the dung hits the fan. Ooh, boy, what do we do then? That's why I'm bringing this up, so that our hope is going to be consistent. And here it is, not dependent on you. 
You are not to depend on yourself for getting hope. That is great because otherwise we feel guilty. Uh, I've grown up with that, that, hey, if you can't muster up that hope or your faith, if you can't muster up that faith, you know, there's a problem. Oh, ye of little, little faith. Oh, wait, all the faith we have has been a gift anyway. Let's keep going. We are reborn into a perfect inheritance that can never perish, never be defiled, and never diminish. So if you feel like you're perishing, if you feel like everything's contaminating you, all this world stuff is blowing your mind away, you can't focus, you're too distracted, it's, there's hope here. It'll never diminish. This life you have been given will not, this hope you have been given will not diminish. That is a promise we've got to believe today, especially if we're feeling hopeless or not having much hope. When our perspective looks dim, and suddenly I realize I'm speaking to myself now. <laughs> For the last couple of months, just my own wrestlings with trying to figure out stuff, and hey, if I try this, I'll figure it out. And I want to plan it out, but maybe I just need to keep walking and just be dependent, not try to figure it all out. It's hilarious me saying this to myself. Ugh. Anyway. It is promised and preserved forever in the heavenly realm for you. Through our faith, the mighty power of God is constantly, the uh, power of God constantly guards us until our full salvation is ready to be revealed in the last time. So the faith you have is really his faith, for there is only one faith. There is only one life cannot forget that. There is only one source. Finding hope in pain, Psalm 39. I, I, listen, I read this one at funerals all the time. I, I love this one. This is the I'm allowed to be honest and vent poem. This is the psalm that reminds us. I'll read it for you. You'll, you'll get it. It says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered and that my life is fleeing away. My life is no longer than the width of my hand. In an entire lifetime, it's just a moment to you. Human existence is but a breath. We are merely moving shadows, and all of our busy rushing ends in nothing. We heap up wealth for someone else to spend. How encouraging is this so far? Isn't that just great? Yes, sign me up for this class. And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? And he ends that section by saying, my only hope is in you. While it is important to recognize the shortness of life, nobody gets out alive, right? Everybody knows that? Please? You do know that. <laughs> okay. Life is short. 15 years, 20 years, 70 years, 95 years. Life is short. This is something to think about. We need to always, I believe, we need to have an awareness of, of our destination, so to speak, uh, that uh, our earth suits will give out one day. Some will give out faster than others, and some will get blindsided, taken out unexpectedly. But folks, while you live, what are you going to do? Are you going to only see the negativity? 
or at least you're going to see it, recognize it, and place your hope in God. Because if this is all you look at, oh my goodness, look out for that downward spiral. And you're going to need someone else to come help and pull you out of it. He's being real and honest, but he's giving us a pattern. You're allowed to vent, but right here, that's where you live. You're allowed to have those rabbit trails, so don't get mad at people for having their, I'm having a really hard time. For those that are in the pattern of saying they're having a really hard time, and they're saying it all the time, you need to change your thinking. You're allowed to be honest with it, but let's be honest with a, a greater reality than your circumstances. Christ lives in you. That is a greater truth than what you're going through. That's where you need to focus. Because when you begin to focus there, this seed will begin to be nurtured and grow, and you'll become a hope-filled person. And guess what a plant does? It reproduces. It's going to give hope to others. There are some people that are just inspiring, just, be, just to be around. They just give off hope or encouragement. Just, you want to be around them. And there's some people, I'll just kind of, they're coming. Shh, go around the corner. You, know, you don't want nothing to do with them because they're just so negative all the time. They need the love. These guys need to be the encouragers and find a way to love each other. There's room for that. I, just, I think this particular psalm is really powerful. Three examples of hope of how Jesus gave hope. The woman caught in adultery, we all know the story. Uh, it was a setup. The Jewish leaders came. They caught the woman in the act, it says, of adultery, which is pretty graphic. So they throw her in front of Jesus, ready to shame her. She is going to get stoned, according to the law. That, they knew this had to happen. Jesus turned the tables on them. This woman had no hope, okay? None. And the compassion of your Savior, who lives in you, who you are one with, therefore you are possessed with that same hope, the same eyes, the same perspective as Jesus. Whether you believe it or not, and whether you see it or not, you have this, this perspective. And he saw this woman and had compassion on her. He also knew what they were trying to do to him. And whatever he wrote in the ground, we don't know. Man, there's some awesome theories out there. <laughs> We don't know, but the men started leaving, starting with the oldest to the youngest. Somebody said they wrote the names of some of the priests who used her services. <laughs> who knows? That'd be embarrassing. I'm out of here. You know, or, or who knows what he wrote down, what wise saying he put in the ground. I would have taken a picture. I would have, come on, what would he write? Right, no camera. But that wasn't the issue. The issue was her. He was not afraid of being misunderstood by all the crowd. He saw one woman who needed to be rescued. And he risked his own life, his reputation. He didn't care what others thought of him because in his heart he knew this was right. Oh, here's the best part. He says, where are your accusers? There's none here. And Jesus, and I, I don't know how compassionate he said it, but however he must have said it, he said, neither do I. And I'll bet you tears are run down his face. Because that's the language he probably would understand. He says, 
go and sin no more. Now, some of us will hear that and say, you stop being an adulteress. No, that can be part of it. But why do we go for the sin focus so much? How about stop seeing yourself as who you aren't? I just saw you as loved. Start to see yourself the way I see you. And you'll start to treat yourself better. Go and sin no more. Sin, the word sin just means missing the mark. (laughs) That's it. Imperfect. And every time we do things that are inconsistent with our attitudes and with our identity, every time we do things that are inconsistent with our identity in Christ, uh, there's a a disbelief that happens. All those actions come out of a, a faulty belief. That's what the sin is. Not see yourself as clean, pure, holy, righteous, forgiven, good, beautiful. This is how God sees you. Align yourself with how God sees you. Especially when you're in your tornado or spin cycle of chaos and pain. In your darkness. Jesus was ever so loving to Peter as well. Here, Peter, one of the big mouths of the disciples... I was in trouble from what he says. Foot and mouth syndrome. Uh, zealot, yep. I'm, uh, when he took off that guy's ear, he's probably going for the guy's head, you know, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Who knows? Good guess. Makes for a fun story. But either way, here's Peter. He promises, I will never deny you. And he meant it with every passion in his body. Then he does the exact thing he promised not to do. What would, that, what would that be like today if somebody promises something to us and they don't follow through? Oh, ooh, I think we have a list of people in our head already. <laughs> Jesus didn't bring that back on him and make him feel like dirt. He later approached him and he asked him, do you love me? Yes, of course I do. Poke away at the fire, fish, whatever they're doing. Hey, Peter, yeah, yeah, yeah. do you love me? Did you just ask that? Yes, of course. I love you. And he asked him a third time, do you love me? And Peter was saddened. I'm guessing that he thinks Jesus doesn't think he loves him. But what he doesn't know, Jesus just replaced the I don't know him, I don't know him, I don't know him. This is the Jesus that lives in you. This is the Jesus the world needs. And I think the church at large has done a terrible job of presenting a beautiful Jesus. I will continue to unlearn my religion and I will continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of this Jesus I say I believe in. And I pray you will too and keep growing with me. Allow me to screw up and repent. I will allow you to screw up and repent. Like this, that's how it's supposed to be. Hmm. And then Paul, here's the greatest zealot who was ready to take out so many believers. He was so good at being a jerk. He was so good at following the rules. How many people do you know? No hands up, please. How many people do you know that are sticklers for following the letter of the rule? It has to be done like this. You're playing a board game, but they know they know subsection. B, 
double E inside in brackets what that rule is, and you're thinking, but that's not how we play it, but that's how it is. Right? Y'all know people like that? That's what Paul was like. And he prided himself in it. And here's the beautiful part. God got a hold of him. God stopped him on the way to go kill people. Christians. They weren't called Christians at that time. They were called believers or the people of the way or whatever word they used. Who knows? But God came to him and got his attention. If God can do that with a brutal person so steeped in legalism, he can do it for you. He can do it for your loved one. He can do it for the person you think has no hope. <laughs> oh, there's hope. Just you don't try to control it. Just beautiful pictures of Jesus reaching out. Romans 15. Now those who are mature in their faith can easily be recognized. For they don't live to please themselves, but have learned to patiently embrace others in their immaturity. Okay, there's a whole sermon right there, which we won't do because we only have a few minutes left. But look this up and read it and meditate on it. It says here, our goal must be to empower others to do what is right and good for them and to bring them into spiritual maturity. For not even the most powerful one of all, the anointed one, lived to please himself, Jesus. His life fulfilled the scriptures that says, all the insults of those who insulted you fall upon me. Whatever was written beforehand, here it is, love this part, whatever is written beforehand is meant to instruct us in how to live. The scriptures impart to us encouragement and inspiration so that we can live in hope and endure all Things. Go read that again and again this week. Our goal is not to grow a church numerically. Our goal is not to get enough money in. Our goal is not to fix that person's behavior because it's uncomfortable for you. <laughs> Our goal is to be so mature that we're not self-centered anymore. That we become others-centered. And then to live in this hope. You're called to live in Christ, in hope. Is that good news? This is good news. In everything, give thanks, 1 Thessalonians. In everything, give thanks. Even when you've just faced the darkest day, still give thanks to God who gives you hope in the deepest, darkest darkness. There are many people you walk past every day and will walk past today that are in darkness. Their minds are blind to the reality of God's love for them. They might be clouded by circumstances where they cannot find, hear, feel hope. Pray for them. Be hope to them. Think of others not just yourself. It's a good news day. Jesus, your source, is your hope. Therefore, you don't have to pray for more hope. You have all of hope in you. But instead, pray, Father, can you reveal the hope in me that I can't feel or see right now? 
I admit, I confess, it is there. I just can't see it or feel it. That's true confession, by the way. (laughs) I love it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning, wake us up to the hope that is already existent in us. For those of us who can't feel it, can't see it, want to but can't, need encouragement, will you please be that encouragement? Send others to be encouragement. And may those who are walking in that difficulty, in those dark times, may they become willing to receive the encouragement that is coming. Prepare them. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.